0: everyone. A quick note that there's one part of today's episode that's probably not appropriate for little people's ears. It's toward the end.
1: Do you ever feel like the title The Bride comes with a dun-dun-dun music?
2: <laughs> Helping them to enter into their relationship with their eyes open.
1: We carry so
3: many assumptions around with us that we, we don't even think to unpack until we're rubbing up against someone else else's assumptions and their ways of doing things.
1: I missed my own wedding.
0: This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Today's episode is about engagement and the seeming tension between preparing for marriage and planning a massive social event. They aren't the same thing, of course. But most Catholic couples only take between six months, which is the minimum, and a year to do both of those
2: things. Couples tends to think of the wedding and is not really thinking of preparing for the marriage. This is
0: Bishop Warfel.
2: Hi, I'm Bishop Warfel from the Diocese of Great Falls, Billings, Montana.
0: I met Bishop Warfel years ago when he was the Bishop of Juneau, Alaska. He had cool stories about flying.
2: I learned to fly when I was a young priest in Anchorage and uh, flew various models of 172, 182, Cherokee, 160, 180.
0: The bishop flew a Cessna 182 around Juneau to visit his people. You get points if you know what that is. I had to Google it. Bishop Warfel is no stranger to preparing men and women for marriage.
2: Well, when I was a parish priest, I did quite a bit of marriage preparation. did a lot of it myself and with the assistance of others, you know. But I presently still am an involved and engaged in counters, so I work directly in, in that periodically. And I'm very involved in a marriage encounter.
0: The church sees marriage prep as really important. That's why there's a minimum time set, and usually some meetings and or classes that are mandated by the bishop.
2: Marriage prep is really an essential, in, in especially in a day when roughly 50% of couples end up in divorce and breakup of families. The marriage preparation is helping young couples, mostly young couples, to really see what what is marriage about, what especially a sacrament is about.
0: What Bishop Warfel thinks couples need to understand the most is that their marriage isn't just about them.
2: Particularly, I I think it's important to, to appreciate the sacramental dimension of it. Christ is involved in it.
0: He has a fun analogy about it.
2: I oftentimes think of a pair of scissors. It's a pair of scissors, not a scissor. So you have two distinct blades, and uh, they can be very sharp, you know, but unless there's a bolt holding them tightly together, they don't cut anything, and that bolt is Christ. So
0: marriage preparation is about both the blades and the link.
2: That's really what the preparation is about, having them to not only have a sharp blade in terms of all the ins and outs of what it means to be in a relationship, the finances, the in-laws, the uh, savings, looking ahead, children, family members, all those kind of things that are, it's an extended relationship, it's not just the two. But then, how do they fit into Christ?
0: And you're going to hear this a lot on today's
2: episode. Wedding is a day and the marriage is a life.
0: And that's what Sophie Caldecott wanted to communicate to her engaged friend when she wrote her an open letter. So I started writing her a letter just to give
3: her some love and encouragement. And I realized I was writing it to my past self as well. And to all of my other friends who happen to be engaged or thinking about marriage. What are you getting yourself into and how can you prepare? Because I think that's the deeper question underneath the insecurity about how you might look and whether or not you'll be your best self on that one day. I guess the point that I wanted to share was that you're not going to be your best self on that day and you're not going to be your best self physically or you know emotionally or anything on any other day. No one day is perfect. You're going to be working on it. The main thing is that you're showing up with an open heart, ready to do your best. This is Sophie. So um, I'm Sophie, and I go by my maiden name, Sophie Caldercot in my work as a writer. But Sophie Lipiat is my legal married name. I've been married for seven years, and I have two daughters.
0: And we live in the southwest of England, near the beautiful Wildmoor and the coast. Sophie and her now husband got engaged, and things kind of took off. It was a bit of a strange time because my fiancé
3: owed the American army some time, so we thought he was going to have to go back to the state disservice and four years with the army added to the fact that my father had terminal cancer, so he was really unwell. And I thought, I know I want to marry this guy and make a family with him. I felt like if I waited,
0: I would regret if dad wasn't there. They had a lot of external pressures. They knew that they wanted to marry each other. And because of that reasonable certainty, they went full speed ahead. I think it was quite Um, wise and quite rushed. And
3: if I could go back and do something differently, I would say I would have more marriage prep, especially because we were so young. And when you're getting married under circumstances like that, if you don't feel like you've had enough time to prepare for the actual marriage, I think you will struggle in the first few years of your marriage because you'll feel like you're catching up a little bit rather than going into it with the right kind of spirit
0: of joy and acceptance. (laughs) Looking back, Sophie thinks that it would have been helpful if someone had pressed the brakes a little. People start booking flights, and
3: it creates a kind of forward momentum before you've even started to wrap your head around some of the like, deep, deep work of marriage preparation that I think you need to have freedom and time to explore before you're feeling like wedding admin, like organizing all of the practical details of the day,
0: starts taking over. Don't misunderstand this. Sophie does not regret her marriage. She regrets that she wasn't as prepared for it as she thinks she could have been. I'll just note here that I think the U.S. is doing a much better job at this than the U.K. Things that Sophie talked about missing, I was like, oh, yeah, most programs here do that. For example. Talking about your family of origin
3: how your family has shaped who you are and what your expectations about life and the way that people do things differs from each other and some of this will come out when you're dating but some of it won't at all (laughs) and like what your expectations around what kind of parents you would be and things like that it's very different when you're actually on the ground and there are whole expectations and assumptions that you both carry within you that you need to unpack very carefully lots of deep work to do in that area y'all your love languages and understanding how you handle stress and conflict and all of that kind of thing will just lay a more solid foundation that will give you a better start to marriage I think than diving in after having spent six or seven months thinking about what kind of cake you'll have or the table plan and you know, stuff like that for so this one day that's then going to be passed and you'll have the rest of your life together
0: facing the bigger things that you didn't talk about. Sophie points out that many, if not most, engaged couples are tempted to believe that they are exceptional. Oh, we're not going to fight. We're just so in love. Every couple thinks that they are the one
3: couple that's never going to let the flame go and they're always going to be so passionate and they're never going to fight and they're just going to be exactly the way that they are as an engaged couple for the rest of their marriage. And I remember being like that too. I remember feeling like that too we'll figure it out because we're so in love. We'll just figure it out. (laughs) And you do, that is a part of it. You do figure it out, but I think it's just a dangerous attitude to have when that
0: becomes like avoiding doing the
3: actual work of preparation.
0: In contrast, Sophie thinks that the people that she knows who were best prepared for marriage were older people. Some of the people I know that are the
3: most fully prepared for marriage have been women who have been single for a longer time, really having to discern whether or not they want to actively pursue looking for marriage. They have had to study their married friends a little bit, not in a weird way, but kind of just watch, you know, say, is this what I'm being called to? And what is marriage separate from a handsome guy that's kind of sweeping them off their feet? In the abstract, they have to think, what is the vocation of marriage? How would I be within that vocation, how would I be my best self in that vocation? Is it for me, is God calling me to this? And obviously you you only really know that when and if you meet the person you're called to marriage with, but I think it's really beautiful to watch how thoughtful friends in
0: that, that situation have been. Sophie was not older. She was in her early 20s. I didn't really know
3: how to express needs. I didn't know what I wanted and needed and how to express that and how to, had to love very well and I had to learn that we had to learn that together and that's part of what I wrote in my letter to my friend is some of this is you can only learn it when you're doing it together and that's scary and it's vulnerable and it's really really messy and that's why it's not perfect because if you're learning it on the ground you'll have to suddenly realize one day actually I really care about this thing and now I have to figure out how to tell my husband and I've only just realized it about myself or you'll realize it as you're talking
0: to him and it's messy and it's uncomfortable. Here's just a simple example of what Sophie is talking about.
4: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday
3: to you. My birthday was shortly after we had got married and come back from honeymoon. And in my family, we have a very celebratory attitude to any special day, saints days, birthdays, Christmas. We'll have a big birthday breakfast for the person and we'll you know, like candles and make pancakes and put flowers on the table and little things like that, that I always thought were kind of normal that maybe everybody did. And you never have to ask for it as the birthday person. So I didn't communicate any of this to my husband. And needless to say, he didn't because he couldn't read my mind to know that that's what I wanted. And I ended up getting very upset because it wasn't like a family birthday, it
0: wasn't like birthdays I was used to. Strangely enough, wedding rings do not convey mind-reading powers. (laughs) And, newsflash, y'all, you are not going to stay the same as you were on that day that you said, I do. To keep saying, I know that you're changing and how can I best love you in this stage of
3: your life and what do you need? And be honest about that and be really always seeking to know your spouse better and to know yourself better. But it is a very messy process. (laughs)
0: There's no getting around it. Sophie suggests that couples consider starting marriage prep before even thinking about wedding planning. I would really recommend not setting a wedding date till you've done some marriage
3: prep together. I don't know whether that applies in all circumstances, but for me, I think maybe it's a reaction against how we felt there was some time pressure on us to get married. But within a couple of weeks of getting engaged, we had already decided on a date and the venue and the the church was available and things like that. So again, it added another layer of not being ready, like having these external pressures pulling me forwards. Sophie's favorite part of her wedding day? My favorite part of the day was the wedding mass because I'm quite camera shy. I did feel kind of shy of getting married in front of a lot of people. And when we were actually in the ceremony at mass, we had our backs to everybody. So we could just enjoy the mass and pray the mass together. And that was a really beautiful thing and was very peaceful and quiet compared
0: to the rest of the day. And no, I don't pay people to say these things, y'all. No budget. We really tried to put the
3: emphasis on showing our, our guests how much we loved them and how they were a part of a part of our marriage and witnessing the wedding vows and also the idea of a community being necessary, a kind of around you to support you and helped you through your marriage is a really beautiful thing as well. And my sister had to keep, keep reminding me of that when I kept saying, I think I want to elope. Can we just scrap the party and just run away? But it, it is a beautiful
0: thing to celebrate that community around you. Sophie admits to losing her mind a little bit in this mission to convey love to her guests. I went a little bit crazy with it. I wanted everyone to feel very
3: loved individually. And I I had done an undergraduate in English literature. I had a lot of paperback classic literature, so I wrapped them all in brown paper and gave
0: one each to to each of the guests. So Sophie took out her little library of classic literature paperbacks and chose a book for each guest. I wonder how the person felt who got Paradise Lost. It was a little bit crazy. I wouldn't recommend doing that (laughs) um, under normal circumstances. I'm pretty sure that's the most thoughtful favor idea I've ever heard, however.
3: Wedding favors and things popular on Pinterest, and it takes a lot of energy and time to do that, but you could probably spend better doing something else. The intention behind it was to
0: make everybody who came feel very seen and loved and part of
3: the celebration.
0: Now, I want to introduce you to Cadence.
1: My name is Cadence McManaman. I'm a published author of two novels as well as a special education teacher. <laughs> Some fun facts about me. Let's see. I hit a rattlesnake with my car
0: once. I can dance an Irish jig and I am a twin. Cadence met her now husband online.
1: Christopher and I met on Catholic Match in 2016. He was the first person to message me the first day I joined. And naturally, I completely friendzoned him.
0: After exchanging some emails, Christopher asked to come visit Cadence.
1: And I said, eh, why not? It's not like anything's going to
0: happen of this anyway. Okay, you know how this story goes. They date, and then they get engaged. We knew from the beginning
1: that we wanted a really low-key wedding that was
0: without all the bells and whistles. I hear your skepticism. How many of us have heard that line before? Oh, we just want a low-key affair, you know... Only like 500 people with a sit-down four-course meal and a higher band with organically sourced flowers and truffles that so-and-so's pig snuffed out from a magical forest? Yeah, right. But no, y'all, this is for real. And for a good reason.
1: And one of the reasons for this is that I have a chronic illness. I have Lyme disease and have had it for eight years. So that kind of makes everything a 50-50 shot for me of whether or not I'll be able to be healthy and attend an event on any given date. And weddings, although they're a really big deal, are no different for health. (laughs) So planning a really big fancy party would have only upped the stakes and made me more stressed out.
0: Cadence and Christopher start preparing for marriage.
1: Marriage prep classes. I guess kind of the overarching theme that Chris and I decided we wanted to focus on during our year of engagement was to treat our wedding like we treat all the other sacraments in the Catholic Church. Because if you think about confirmation or baptism or First Communion, everybody celebrates those things and they're wonderful things, but they don't come with the same level of pomp and circumstance that weddings generally do. So he and I really wanted to focus on, let's really focus on the sacrament and the Bible and our marriage prep classes instead of focusing on wedding details. So how did they do it? We um, really focused on our wedding mass. Another thing we did together was read a lot of theology books, especially on theology of the body. We read Fulton Sheen's book, Three to Get Married, and other ones. We really dug into marriage prep materials with our mentors and hunted down the things they suggested that we could look up on our own. And then another thing which I think kind of gets skipped over sometimes in marriage prep is getting all those real-life skills together, like budgeting, Mm -hmm. setting up apartments, looking at our work shifts and discussing how we wanted our daily schedules to kind of look like once we did get married, which I think was really helpful to focusing on building a marriage versus just focusing on planning the wedding day, because obviously as Christians and Catholics, everybody knows that's the most important thing about being engaged.
0: Did you take one of those quizzes?
1: Do you remember? Uh, Yeah, we did. I can't remember what the quiz is called. We actually never got to see our score. (laughs) Our marriage prep couple had the results and said, oh, you guys did great. And then they never actually gave us the results. So we're hoping we did okay.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious that they didn't go over it with you at all.
1: No, we didn't go over that at all, which I was kind of looking forward to. But I don't know if we just matched up well enough that they were like, oh, you know, you don't need to go over anything. You're on the same page. Or maybe we were just so different that they said, okay, we got to start from scratch. I'm not sure which
0: way it went. (laughs) Cadence's fiance, family, and friends all knew about her health struggles, and they all swore that they were on board with a simple wedding.
1: Well, this is where things kind of got interesting. So there were two surprises in the year of wedding planning we had ahead of us. The first one was that volunteers, all those lovely volunteers who were so good-hearted and wanted us to have a minimal and holy wedding day, they kind of went through some sort of, like, wedding evolution, I guess I would call it.
0: (laughs) These other sweet human beings wanted Cadence and Christopher's wedding to be all the things that they, the other human beings, dreamed of. Well, you have to have nice flowers. You have to have a three-tiered cake from a
1: bakery the focus on details kind of got overwhelming over that first year,
0: and the wedding got a lot fancier than we originally planned. Surprise! This causes stress. And stress isn't good for the human body.
1: And the second surprise was that I got very, very sick the week we were supposed to be married, and wedding plans flourished anyway. Guests flew up from across the nation, from Kentucky and Virginia. The DJ set up in the hall. Everyone dressed up and waited at the church for me to arrive. Normal wedding day stuff. The big difference was I did not show up. (laughs) I missed the entire wedding. I was so sick I didn't even get to see my fiance's parents, which was disappointing. So everybody ended up having dinner and a dance party, and then they all went home without watching a marriage ceremony. That's right, people. I missed my own wedding. That wasn't that much of a surprise for me personally because I've been chronically ill for eight years and my fiance and my family are aware of that. We were disappointed that it didn't work out, yes, but we've all been through enough that we realized one day or one party or one timeline, that's not always what God has planned. And that's just fine. He's always got things worked out.
0: Health issues do not magically disappear because you are a bride. You can't just say to your body, okay, body, here's the deal. On May 10th, that's my day you just behave yourself the assumption in society that
1: the wedding is the biggest day of your life of course it's all going to work out that's the plan everything's going to be perfect it's not true because it's another day in life just like anything else it's a wonderful day and a holy day and great but things like health crises and emergencies they come up and life is not centered around around a wedding date or one event and i think it really was eye-opening for a lot of people
0: I think a lot of people just don't realize how impactful health crises can be. Those of us who don't have chronic health problems can tend to not believe people who do because it's so out of our experience. We don't know what it's like to be conscious that plans just might not work out. What's kind of crazy about this case is that God made it clear to Cadence and Christopher that he did know that the wedding date would be different from their plan. When we
1: picked the new wedding date that we were going to try for, I noticed that the gospel reading that Sunday was exactly the one we had
0: picked out for our original wedding. God also knew that these sweet, well-intentioned human beings were getting a lesson about what really matters. What was really interesting to watch was how
1: all of my volunteers and my community members, how their behavior completely changed after that first wedding attempt kind of imploded. So the poor priest who was so walking on eggshells around us trying to make sure we got everything we wanted, he called us right after the first wedding date that didn't work out, and he said he could reschedule to whatever day I could make it to church, any day of the week, any time. He even offered to come to our house and get a special dispensation from the bishop and marry us at home, which was so sweet. It was really nice to see him focus so much on the marriage ceremony instead of just worrying about how, like, the bride would react.
0: This same priest earlier had warned the groom that the bride might not want him to wear a watch for the pictures. He'd apparently met many bridezillas. The
1: hairdresser and photographer offered to come straight to my house when we rescheduled the wedding. All the guests said they just cared about my health and not to worry, you know, they'll see some pictures after and to just let us know when we actually did get married which was really, really nice because just a month prior, everyone had been so focused on things like decoration details or seating
0: arrangements, all these little details that are just superficial aspects of a wedding. Cadence's mom and sisters had done most of the work of calling around to all of these people and letting them know what was going on.
1: So I was pretty much unconscious basically the whole week, so I don't really remember much of anything. My sisters and my family, they were calling people and we had people up from across the country who were still there and we still had dinner and we still had like a dance and such. We didn't want people to just feel like, oh, the whole thing's called off just because the bride isn't there. You know, we still want people to be able to get together and meet each other and say hi to the groom because he was well and he was there. And I think that was really important for my family to be able to meet his family a lot and hang out together and really celebrate each other and and be together on that day even though nobody saw a wedding ceremony that doesn't make a great story i don't know anybody else who says they've been to a wedding without a bride
0: <laughs> cadence and christopher did get married the wedding turned out to be
1: the intimate low key one we originally wanted with just like 50 guests and a pizza party at home afterward so what can we learn from this y'all it really points out just how deeply The modern idea of, I call it wedding culture, it doesn't really have a term, (laughs) but this idea of wedding culture is just permeated so deep into our society that most of us, we don't even realize it. I think if I could tell engaged couples, one thing to really focus on is for them to remember that weddings are not shows or performances. In fact, Cadence takes this a step further. I'd love to see Catholics and Christians in general lean away from weddings that center on the fanciness or perfection of the day toward more frugal and sacrament focused marriages. I'm not trying to say big fancy weddings can't be beautiful and holy. I've been to many that are, but it reminds me of how Christians are supposed to be detached from worldly things. And I feel like in today's society, everyone tries to say, well, that doesn't count for weddings because it's a wedding, even though that's one of the most important days when you should be focused on the sacrament and not the actual worldly things or material items about the wedding. Catholic weddings should really represent the start of a Catholic marriage and not just serve as a reason for a really fancy party. And parties are fine, but the bigger and fancier they get, it tends to run more risk of distracting an engaged couple from planning their marriage instead of just the wedding. Speaking to women in particular... The bride is not suddenly the center of the universe. (laughs) Even if people begin to treat her that way, she is a normal human person. And even if she is really excited about the wedding and all the details and everything, nobody's supposed to have to cater to someone who's being really entitled or really fussy about things that maybe don't matter
0: as much as she thinks. Cadence has a couple of super practical tips about how we as the Catholic community could foster a better attitude about preparing for marriage.
1: I think one thing that we forget to do as Christians and Catholics is to ask about the marriage things instead of just the wedding things. For example, I'm one of those people, I like to ask about, you know, dresses and colors and dates. That's super fun, as it should be. But how often do we remember to ask about maybe where the couple's home parish is going to be, or their plans for jobs, how are their pre-Cana classes going? And I think asking about these things that apply to the marriage itself is a great way to focus on what the wedding is supposed to be about versus just the aesthetics of the day. Cadence gave an example. One person really sticks out in my mind who really had this down when I got engaged to my husband. My best friend's dad, he's a pastor of a different church. We told him we were engaged when we went over to her house to, to announce the news to her. And he smiled and he looked at us and he said, you two are going to have one of the longest, most holy marriages that I've probably ever seen, and I cannot wait to watch it unfold over the years. And that left a huge impression on me. Like, why aren't more of us talking like that about the marriage?
0: (laughs) Because that's really awesome. In addition.
1: To remember the couple after the wedding day, too. The real work of marriage begins after you're married. And I think a lot of couples after the wedding day is over, They kind of feel brushed aside because there's no longer the party to plan, you know, the excitement's kind of over, things are settling down. And I think a lot of people, especially during wedding season, when you have a group of people who are kind of all getting married at once, following up with the newlyweds and asking how their new life is going is really important. Checking in on them and supporting them, the married couples in your community, is also incredibly important
0: and not just talking to the engaged ones. And now, in the spirit of going deeper... Here's Bishop Carey.
4: My name is Bishop Liam Carey from the Diocese of Baker, Oregon.
0: Bishop Carey suggests a deeper way of understanding marriage.
4: At the heart of marriage would be to say yes to each other in a unique and irreplaceable way, in an intimate way that you don't say yes to anyone else, and it's in in a sustained way. From day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, decade after decade, to continue to say yes,
0: and that yes, or what John Paul II called the affirmation of the person, is not always easy.
4: And to have that yes deepen, and to have it yes deepen by confronting the no, in one's heart and in the other heart, and and overcoming that with the yes, you know, uh, which is the yes the the yes of forgiveness that overcomes a no of rejection and, and condemnation.
0: Furthermore, every one of us has wounds or scars in our lives that lead us to fear a no from someone that we love.
4: For example, I've had this in confession many times, you know, or, or a woman will come to confession and uh, say that she's been, uh, she was sexually abused by when she was like eight years old and then for maybe ten years or whatever. And terribly, ter- never has spoken a word about this to anybody. Terribly, terribly ashamed of what someone did to her, and then falls in love with a man, and keeps that a secret, and they get married and everything. And then there's, and his her husband says, well, after a year, says something, something's the matter. What's the matter? There's something wrong here. Honey. I, I don't know. I don't, There's something. I can sense this thing. And, and what what he's what he's doing is this. He's knocking on the door, and the, she has then the the decision whether to open that door. It's kind of like I imagine it's kind of like a, a, a basement, a, the door to a basement in her house, which is chained up in the inside and locked multiple times that nobody can get in. And then, and then you hear this, and so this is a great act of, of faith here. She either chases, she either does it, and she and, and and she's he says uh, if she opens and reveals this, then she's she's opening herself to his... And then, what if he says, yes, not from the top of the stairs in the light, but it, down at the bottom of the stairs in the darkness? What if he says yes to that? I love you all the same. Well, so the, the, the darkness is no longer there. It's now filled with the light of this yes. And the, the consequences of that are incalculable. You know.
0: And on the other hand
4: that the man could be, uh, let's say, let's say he's the, the youngest of four, br- four brothers. And all the other brothers are basketball star, football star, s- top scholar, just, just cream. Of, and he's just average, average, nice guy, but, you know, doesn't stand out in anything. And so everybody has all these high expectations of his brothers, but they have low expectations for him. And he gets used to that. He lives that. And then he gets married and everything. He has a nice marriage, but then there's this, job that opens up that's like three levels higher than anybody and he's tempted to to try for it but is everything says that you know i i can't do that you know and if anybody knew that's the thing i didn't mention about the woman that the reason she doesn't she doesn't want to open is because she's afraid that if anybody knew this they would say no you're you're not worth it that's that she's afraid of the no she's afraid of the no, and it's a similar thing with the the man here in this situation where he's afraid that if anybody if he disclosed this aspiration, I could make more money for my family, I could do this thing uh if he disclosed that somebody's especially his wife now it's most she'd say oh you can, don't try for that you'll never be that good you know she'll say no, and so it'll just and so what if in the similar situation he he finally tells her She's asking him to enter, whatever this is to enter. She, she's willing to take that in. She opens herself to it. Explicitly tell me what's, and let's say that then he like the other one the other time. He has a decision whether or not to enter or not. It's the door is open, and he can enter it. And if she says, "Well, I love you," you know, whatever happens, I'm with you. Go for it. Well, she, she says yes. She finds he finds. He's he's fearing no, and he hears the yes.
0: Bishop Carey had a lot more to say about this, but this episode is already too long, so um, it'll go on another one. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, except for the theme music, which is composed and produced by Michael Taylor. And then the new music is from First